Hello and welcome back to another episode of Mind Over Wonder. Uh, a series that rounds up my rounds up my wondering thoughts. I'm your host, Candace Briggins. After you think I'll get that, I'm gonna get that intro down. Don't you worry. Uh, I'm your host, Candace Briggins, and I'm here to explore the big questions about life, the universe, and everything in between. So, growing up, I never really ate much of Chips Ahoy cookies. The ones I was used to eating were always baked by my brothers and sisters. And summers in Alabama, uh, going to the neighborhood convenience stores or the candy lady's house, there were Chips Ahoy, but there were also famous on those cookies. Yes, uh, famous on those cookies. It was, I mean, it is still, it's the yellow bag with the light blue bold cursive writing in the front. Now, this is just my opinion. I think Famous Almost is better than Chips Ahoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> but I do think they're better. It's not as sweet. Well, at least in my opinion, it's not as sweet as there's like, there's like definitely some salt sprinkle all up through that dough because it's just perfection. So to this day, I don't like sweet. And to this day, I don't like my sweets too sweet, if that makes any sense. Uh, too much sugar and my teeth begin to feel like jittery, like like they got an itch or something. Like, <laughs> I promise you, I, I swear. I'm telling you, I envy people who can just eat candy or any sweets nonstop because I can't. Like, I would treat myself to a dessert at the end of the week, sometimes during, but that's like sometimes. And that's if I'm really, like, really craving sugar. Oh, and yes, another thing. I'm sure, I'm sure some of you can relate, and I think, like, a lot of you can relate, but too much sugar or candy and bam, face is gone. Like my my chin, my, my my chin just like breaks out, and then I have like a a, a pimple on my my like this. I I don't even know it's a pimple. It's like this. It's like this. Okay, it's a pimple, but it's like really hard. It's just I'm not gonna yeah, but yeah, you guys. So, and also, I'm noticing as I get like older, my taste isn't isn't isn't, isn't like isn't drastically changing, but I'm slowly itching away from milk chocolate. In, fair, in favoring more like dark chocolate and um as well as trying to like new flavors and textures like I'm really enjoying hazelnut um I still don't care for vanilla but yeah like I'm I'm slowly going away from the chocolate okay but like you know but but enough about me <laughs> this is about famous almost cookies okay so I favor these cookies more than chips ahoy and, and like growing up I still do and yeah, so, but then I fell in love with them even more when I found out that the creator slash baker is a black man named Wallace Amos. Amos. I want to say Amos. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. My older brother told me, looked it up, and it was just like, I was like, what? <laughs> That's a black man. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> But of course, I couldn't help. But I, I mean, I had to ask. I'm like, why don't people? Why don't more people know about this? This famous black uh, cookie creator has he made any more treats since then? And what is he up to now? Okay, like where is he? This is episode two. Wallace almost the man behind the cookie.
the story. Wallace Wally Amos Jr. was born in Tallahassee, Florida on July 1st, 1936. Um, when he was 12, his parents ended up divorcing. Now, he doesn't go into much detail about why he was sent to his aunt's house, and I don't even know whose sister this is, moms or dads, but all you need to know is that Wally went to go live with his aunt, Della Bryant. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And growing up with his aunt, Wally had this to say, quote, we certainly had no monetary wealth, but Aunt Della House was always rich in the principles and qualities to a child's upbringing. And it was filled with a rum of her delicious chocolate chip cookies, end quote. Seeing his aunt cook got Wally into cooking and baking as well. Wally had this to say about his aunt, quote, Aunt Della's basic for cookies became the foundation for much of my success, but it was her recipes for life that sustained me to this day, end quote. Oh, he like really loves, he really loves his aunt. I love this. Eventually, his interest led him to be enrolled into Foos Trades Vocational High School, where he studied culinary for two years. He would end up dropping out right before graduation. And then around 18, he enrolled in the Air Force and was stationed in Honolulu, Hawaii from 1954 to 1997. There, he would earn his GED and will have an honorable discharge. So... After his stint in the military, Wally worked as a mailman clerk at the William Morrison, I'm sorry, William Morris Agency in New York City, where he climbed the ladder and became the first African-American talent agent. Those are snaps if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Just snaps. <laughs> okay. And um, yes, yeah, so he's the first African-American talent agency and signing uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Signing Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> Those two. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But not only that, he went on to represent The Temptations, Sam Cooke, Marvin Gaye, and Diana Ross. Give that man a cookie. Get it? Give that man a cookie. Okay. All right. Anywho, William Morris will give Wally the head of the rock and roll department. I mean, he was good. Wally was smooth his client was schmoozed his clients by using his Aunt Della's cookies, a chocolate chip cookies recipe as invitations. He would throw these signing parties with potential clients and be the life of the party. But those chocolate chip cookies would be the center of attention. There were all the buzz. Wally said, quote, I go to meetings with record company or movie people and alongside them cookies, and pretty soon everybody was asking for them, end quote. Being such a success as a talent agency, Wally figured he doesn't need William Morris. After all, it was he who brought them the talent. So in 1967, almost left the agency to start his own management agency in Los Angeles. Woo, that was a lot of at it, ooh, ooh. <laughs> But yes, he went on to make his own uh, agency in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, he would struggle. It was said whenever Wally would feel low or overwhelmed, he'll bake cookies. Wally's son, Sean almost, had this to say. Quote, cookies were a hobby to relieve stress. End quote. 
Dealing with the burden of debt and his failing business, Riley turned to his comfort, baking cookies. This time, making a modified version of his aunt cook of his aunt's cookies. Then, in 1975, while he was probably thinking, everyone loved these cookies and experience of being a talent scout, I can set up shop and to sell his. I can set up shop to sell cookies, right? Like, well, my powers combined <laughs> as a talent agent and baking cookies. He's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my, I'm gonna just sell cookies. So he wanted to sell up shop, right? Um, so he set up shop to sell his cookies. The location, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Sean remembered, quote, there were prostitutes. We were across the street from a strip joint. We were held up uh, We were held up a couple of times, but a few blocks down was the A&M Records loft where Dad had offices next to Quincy Jones. He saw something. He felt that what he was doing would transcend the neighborhood, end quote. Oh my goodness, this poor baby. Can you imagine a seven-year-old being like held up at gunpoint? Not once, but twice. <laughs> That's not funny, but oh my God. Poor baby. <laughs> I'm like, damn you down here, cookies. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So, with the loan of 25000 from Marvin Gaye and Helen Reddy, yes, I know, Marvin Gaye and Helen Reddy, yes. I mean, this guy had connections. Wally was pretty good. Um, Wally was able to open famous Almost Cookies. Correct me if it's Amos or Almost, guys. I'm, I'm going to keep switching in and out. But, yes, he was, over, he was able to open up his first shop. Woo! Uh, and where? There he would sell three kinds of cookies. Chocolate chip peanut butter, chocolate chip with pecan, and butterscotch chip with pecan. Which I like when I read that, I was like, no chocolate chip. <laughs> I'm like, where's the chocolate chip? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sean recall working at his dad's shop and quote, he will quote, I sit on milk crates to ring up customers. I work, I work the front, dad worked the back, end quote. Now, famous almost cookie shop had its grand opening with the star-studded attendance of 1,500, but Wally was truly the real star of, of the brand. He appeared on all packaging and merchandise where his signature stew had an embroidered cotton shirt, which you do not see anymore. Like I said, the ones that I recognize was the is the yellow packaging with the blue like blue and white cursive uh signature. So yeah, we don't see his face anymore. So in its very first year, the company would sell three hundred thousand dollars worth of cookies. Oh my god, that's so much! And Jesse, sorry Jesse, Jesse Sharitsky author of Cookies, the new classic, said this about the famous almost cookies. Quote, the concept of zero preservatives, craft-made cookies was uncommon, end quote. By 1982, Wally had a revenue of $12 million. Wally responded to his success by saying, quote, the face that launched a thousand chips. Ooh, end quote. Ooh. 
Now, because of the success, Wally wanted to go beyond mass production. His cookies were disputed in Mar- uh, disputed in Macy's and Bloomingdale's. It even appeared in Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade from 1977 to 1988, which is one of the biggest, if not greatest, place to advertise anything, any product, right? And famous almost began to appear in stores across the U.S., once again, Jesse Shretsky, sorry, Jesse, I hope I didn't, I'm like botching that name, had this to say, quote, almost elevated a product that was seen as an everyday item into a gourmet experience, end quote. Wally would throw these iconic block parties with attendees of Muhammad Ali and Andy Warhol, just to name a few. It just wasn't Wally's famous almost cookies that were everywhere, but Wally himself. He appeared as himself on numerous TV series like The Jeffersons, Taxi, and even The Office. Now, uh, Shrisky, Shrutsky, I'm just, I'm just botching this poor author's name throughout. I'm so sorry. Had this to say, quote, food is part of pop culture, much like fashion, end quote. With so much success with famous almost premium cookies, this led to brands like Mrs. Phil's, Duncan Hines, and Nabisco wanting almost market share. Of course. <laughs> Little greedies. But soon troubled brood. Wally failed to keep up, keep up with the brand's rapid growth. By 1985, just a few years after making a revenue of $12 million, there was a reported loss of $300 on sales of 10, of a sale of $10 million. Wally was forced to sell the company, quote, he wasn't a businessman. He was an amazing marketer and had great promotional insights, but he made a lot of bad decisions, end quote, Sean said about his dad's business. Wally continued to raise money while diluting his own equity. He even lost a home at one point. Because of this, he had to sell his, he had to sell the majority of his uh, store to Bass Brothers Enterprise for $1.1 million. Quote, he sold to save it, end quote, Sean almost continued. Sorry, he sold to save it. He's always been impulsive, a lot of entrepreneurs. That's some spark that, that's that same spark that can drive you to take a chance of, uh, prevents you from listening to others. You think you're infallible, end quote. Uh, that's what Sean almost had to say. Wally would throw in the towel after the new company added a shelf-stable ingredient and represented the cookies as an affordable brand. In 1992, President Baking Company brought Famous Almost for $61 million, which is 55 times what Almost sold his controlling stake for. That same year, Wally launched Wally Almost Presents Hazelnut Cookies. Unfortunately, he was sued for trademark infringement and was forbidden from using his own name in likeliness, which is the most insane thing to hear. Um, this reminds me of when Bob Ross's son, Steve Ross, was sued because he tried to continue his dad's legacy by painting and whatnot. And those uh, were Kolowaskis, Kolowaskis, I don't care, I don't know. Uh, You can look them up, Uh, Google it. Uh, Family sued because they had sole ownership of Bob Ross's name and everything that goes with it. So they sued Steve Ross, which is like, oh my God, like I said, it's crazy. So, um, but if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary called Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. It's something else. Y'all need to check it out. And poor Steve Ross. Shout out to Steve Ross. 
Now back to the story. Okay, so Wally had this to say, quote, I was about, you know, sharing, uh, selling his uh, state, his company pretty much. He said, quote, I was stupid, plain and simple. I sold the company, didn't realize I had so future along with along with it. End quote. Lou Aguanon, sorry, sorry, Lou, was a local radio talk show and heard Wally's, and heard Wally's story and was inspired. So he contacted him to start a new business. But because the famous almost was trademarked by his former company, Wally had to use No Name Cookie Company as his new company. And in 1994, the two launched No Name Gourmet Muffins, focused on fat-free, nutritious muffins. It was eventually changed to Uncle Wally's Muffins Company. But after a few years uh, after the launch, he filed for bankruptcy. Then, in 1999, Almost signed a deal with the new owner of the famous Almost Cookies, Keebler, as a spokesperson. His son, Sean, had this to say, quote, It was bittersweet. He was happy in the center of the brand he started. It also had a hard time accepting that the fact that, he had, at the end of the day, he was just a paid spokesperson. Ooh, forgive me on that. End quote. He didn't stay long. Wally will walk away from the famous almost for good. Like all of it just is done. Almost brought back his handmade cookies under the new name, the Cookie Kiwana, marketed in Hawaii with the flavors chocolate chip. There it is. <laughs> it's part of his secret weapon, right? Didn't want to, didn't want to use that right away. But his handmade cookies under the new name, the Cookie Kiwana, uh, like I said, marketed in Hawaii with the flavors of chocolate chip, Chocolate and pecan and chocolate and butterscotch. And ch- so it was, oh, wait a minute. So it was chocolate chip, chocolate and pecan, and chocolate and butterscotch, chocolate chip and macadamia nut. Wally printed the cookies with the line, quote, the only company baking from pure, unadulterated Wally almost recipes, end quote. Ooh, were there shots fired? Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> but okay, but, um, but that too would eventually fail. It is said as tw- as twenty as of twenty eighteen, Wally uh, Wally almost is working on Aunt Della's cookies, described as quote Aunt Della's cookies are simple, unass- uh, unassuming sugar cookies that just about melt in your mouth and are instantly addictive. End quote. Sean almost had this to say about Cookie Juana and who his dad is as a personal person. Quote. Failed business Cookie Kawa, uh, Cookie Kuhawa. He's a prenatal hustler. Everyone wants the great comeback. It's a story as old as time itself. End quote. Now, um, here's a uh, so, and that was the that's the end. As we know, for as Wally Amos's story, um, here's a tidbit that I feel should be talked more about who Wally almost was outside of famous almost uh that he was and still is an advocate for literacy he helped thousands of adults learn to read uh and at quote he says as a high school dropout education was a big deal to him sean said and longtime friend and publicist john ruscott sorry john introduced almost to literacy volunteers of america while he had this to say about literacy quote I encourage parents to read out loud to children at least from birth to six years old. Uh, 
I really like them to do it beforehand where they're still in the womb. End quote. In 1987, he hosted a television series designed to teach others how to read called Learn to Read, produced by the Kentucky Educational uh, Television. Almost was even granted a National Literacy Honorary Award by uh, President George H.W. Bush. And although although he had many failed businesses, Wally Almost is one of the most successful Black entrepreneurs to this day. So, and that is the end of his story, or as we know it, he, he's probably still going to be out there and coming up with new ideas, right? But here's my, uh, here's my takeaway from after reading and, uh, of his story, right? Um, so for me, it seemed like he, he seemed like while he had the ideas and the, the creations for it, it just seemed like he needed the perfect right hand man to help him behind the scenes. Like, he'll be the face as well as the idea creator, and then his partner could be the one controlling the finances, you know? Like, just a perfect person beside him. And just making sure they have the funding to move forward and still run the business. You know, think of it as uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Because, in, in my opinion, the way Wally solved problems was with money, by selling shares, and eventually... You know, it just led to him no, um, no longer being the owner of the company that he started, which sometimes you got to watch out for people as well. But man, just imagine the direction if it would have gone if he was still the owner of Famous Almost Cookies. Like I can picture him having his own baking show, or be the one, you know, be one of the judges of a baking competition on a Food Network. You know, that that would be fun. So you know. And he can also host his own baking show. He still can, you know. He can still do a lot of things. He can he can host a baking show on Food Network or on a YouTube show on a YouTube or a streaming service. You know, there's endless possibilities still. But I still I just feel like he'll still be he'll just still be popular and still and be very well known till this day. Uh, I feel like he still has the charm and charisma. So yeah, to draw in viewers right from all ages. I don't know. That's just me. I'm just thinking. So uh, in the end. Having great ideas can only get you so far if you don't have the right components to put into action, or you're just going to end up as another cautionary tale of what could have happened, right? So that's the end of that. That's that's Wally almost the story of his life. I have my little two cents to it, but um, so if you enjoyed this episode and want to continue to learn or at least pique your curiosity. Then please leave a uh, please download, like, comment, and subscribe to the series. And until next time, <laughs> bye. And remember, don't let your mind wander too far. <laughs>